Hi there, I'm Katie Cantu, strategist at Ignite Partnership. And I'm Mike Covert, founder of Ignite Partnership. You're listening to Technically Human, where marketing experts talk about how to find the soul in technology products and services. What really makes humans tick when it comes to tech? Join us on our cultural expedition to find out. This week on Technically Human, we're diving into the wonderful world of virtual reality. As an agency that specializes in marketing for technology companies, interest in VR is something we're seeing more and more of from our clients. But there are still so many unknowns about the platform. In fact, it's fair to say that the technology is still evolving so much that there really aren't any experts in the space yet. From technical tidbits to user limitations, today we'll address some of the most common questions and challenges we've encountered when it comes to creating VR experiences for brands. But before we get down to business, we have one of my favorite colleagues filling in for Mike Covert today. I am thrilled to introduce you guys to Mike Martin, our senior motion designer at Ignite Partnership. Hello. Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about what you do at Ignite? Right. As you said, I'm the senior motion designer for Ignite Partnership. I create digital media um, specializing in video production and motion graphics. I do a lot of work for Samsung. Perfect. So also joining us, we have quite possibly the closest thing to a VR expert, Dale, welcome to Technically Human. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Glad to be here. So Dale Carmen is the executive creative director at Groove Jones here in Dallas. They're a studio that specializes in creating immersive content and applications. Uh, and right now they specialize in virtual reality. They've created some stellar experiences for brands like McDonald's and MasterCard. Uh, we've had the privilege of partnering with them recently on a couple of projects Am I leaving anything out, Dale? It's a uh, it's an it's a real exciting time in VR. So uh, every every new project is like uh, groundbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get down to it. Yeah, let's do this. So I think most of our listeners are somewhat familiar with VR at this point, um, but I'm always curious to hear, uh, especially from other people in the industry or in marketing, what first got them into the technology or what was your first experience like with VR? Dale, what, what made you fall in love with VR? Um, I, uh, I am an artist first and a storyteller, um, and, uh, and then I'm just a, a nerd for, for technology. And, uh, and ultimately, it's always about a search to try to make my job as an artist and storyteller easier and better and faster. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I stumbled across Oculus uh, whenever they did their very first Kickstarter. Oh, um, okay. So at the, I call it the new dawn of virtual reality because, for, you know, a lot of people think that virtual reality is new, but it's actually been around for you know, at least 30 years, maybe 50 years. Right. Uh, but it's always been in the hands of NASA and the government and MIT and Lockheed and, and really inaccessible and inapproachable, just crazy expensive. Um, and when Oculus did their Kickstarter and made the first development kit available for, you know, 300 plus dollars, it just caused this tipping point, this firestorm of making it accessible to to literally anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the very first ways that I used it was for a client. I was, I was doing this piece for a, for a client um, out of Florida, um, a Ford client for one of, the, one of those banners in a stadium that goes around the, 
the stadium. Right. So whenever you're designing something like that, if you look at it on an iPad or you look at it on a laptop or even if you look, you know, uh, project it to a large screen in a, in a studio or a suite, it's just kind of impossible to read. I mean, it's super thin and tiny and, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't want to just have one that repeated, you know, I wanted right. to have, you know, a complex design that sort of used the whole space. And so I had to show it to him, you know, in its entirety and it, and it just. It's underwhelming. You know, yeah, and it a, doesn't, you know, when uh, it's flat. And, uh, and so I had, so I had this client coming in and so I quickly threw together a scene with, uh, the stadium and mapped the, the, the ribbon, you know, graphic to the stadium mm-hmm. so that when the client came in, I handed them the headset, they put it on and they're standing on the 50 yard line of the, field and they're able to just look around and see it playing back and and it was it was incredible you know it totally totally worked even in those early days and so I kept from that point on just you know finding more and more uses for it yeah that's I mean that's an excellent use case early on right Mm -hmm. the ability to actually put your client in the stadium and show them the creative um the way it was meant to be viewed Right. right right um that's a good one. What about you, Mike Martin? Anything stand out in particular? You're uh, a design guy as well. Uh, yeah, I'm a design guy. I'm also <laughs> a video game nerd. So yes, yes. Um, uh, from an early age, I actually remember um, I might have been maybe seven or eight years old. They had an arcade set up inside Six Flags, and uh, it was actually a virtual reality arcade. So you go in, and you're in this, like in the sewer system and you're shooting whatever monsters <laughs> down there. Ninja but, Turtles. Right. Uh, <laughs> probably Ninja Turtles. Uh, but yeah, it was just, to me, that was such a thrilling experience because I had never seen anything like that. I mean, as a kid playing a normal console at home, you only had so many graphics at your disposal anyways. Um, so it was kind of really cool to get that head tracking experience mm-hmm. and like seeing it from that point of view uh, was always very interesting to me. Yeah, we could spend hours on this podcast today talking about, um, you know, the technical elements of this platform and all of the limitations and the opportunities. But just from a high level, you know, off the top of your head, what are some of the things, Dale, that you hear uh, clients come to you? You've worked on some great projects for McDonald's, American Horror Story. Um, When these brands come to you for an experience, what are some of the hurdles you encounter? Um, I know we've we've encountered a couple recently in our partnership together, but what are some of the most common things you hear? Well, you know, this is some this is one of those technologies, and um, you know, it used to happen to me in the early days of animation and computer graphics. It's sort of like people's uh, people don't understand what's involved and what it takes to create this stuff, and they're sort of. Um, ironically, an immediate perception that it's easier than it is. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, I used to call it the the Dateline State of the Art syndrome. <laughs> you know, you'd have a client that on Sunday night would watch Dateline State of the Art, right. see how something was made, and in 30 seconds they would show they shot it at a green screen, and then they composited it with the computer graphics. Yeah. And it was just like, boom, like, boom, magically done. I want a commercial done. that looks like Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, we would get whenever Toy Story was first done, we would have people come in and say, you know, something like Toy Story, you know, <laughs> and it'd be like, okay, that took, you know, a hundred people four yeah. years yeah. and, you know, $30 million, like state of the art technology, you know, a yeah. lot of computers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, you can't do that, you know? Um, and so there's, there's, you know, sort of, uh, we we have to educate people on, okay, well, 
this is what's involved with mm-hmm. with doing that. There's sort of you know uh, virtual reality leverages for a lot of its uses real time rendering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you know a lot of people don't realize is what it takes to get it to the point that now it can render real time. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that you're going to be able to do anything in these virtual spaces, and they don't understand the actual limitations of right. the technology. Talk to us a little bit about the differences in those, because this is where we get, I think, you know, people are like, I know what VR is, especially our audience, you know, savvy marketers, they're familiar with the technology, but when it comes down to actually creating that experience, um, I know I'm one of those people, I look to, to mm-hmm. guys like you to say, what can we do here? What are our limitations? Right. You know, and so there's, you know, it's probably useful to, to sort of explain. There's really, I would say, four, uh, four types of, of use. You know, there's tethered PC, which is a high-end gaming computer running a Vive or an Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. Um, typically doing it on a real-time engine like Unity or Unreal Engine. Uh-huh. Um, and then there is mobile technology like gear vr that's high resolution you know high quality high quality head tracking and then there's google cardboard based Mm -hmm. vr um, that'll run on many more phones it's typically cardboard or what i call plastic cardboard Uh Um, and then there is uh, youtube 360 and facebook 360. right so there's sort of all of all of those types um, and they're 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 very different. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other two kind of significant differences is on the tethered PC technology, you have positional tracking, mm-hmm. which is really huge for the sense of immersion and the sense of presence because every little movement that your head makes is tracked mm-hmm. in three D space, and so you really feel like you're there. Yeah, and I think that that's what most users are going to think that they're going to get. Absolutely. They, they expect to feel that when you look around the corner, your right. head will position that way. But that's not how the rest of the VR works, correct? Right, correct. You know, the mobile technology, there's no positional tracking mm-hmm. yet. You know, right. A lot of people are working hard to make it happen. <laughs> but there's no positional tracking yet. But it's interesting because a lot of people will put on a mobile headset and they'll think they're getting positional mm-hmm. tracking. They're absolutely not getting positional tracking, and they'll they'll walk around thinking they're right. getting it. Nothing, but they're happening. not moving in the space. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big one. And, and one one of the thing one of the other little side effects of that is is something that I call simulation sickness. So whenever there's no positional tracking, that's when people sort of get. Nauseous. Mm-hmm. So we would, we'll, you know, for event-based activations, we'll almost always try to go to an HTC Vive that mm-hmm. has positional tracking, and uh, and we'll have people that'll be like, "Oh, I've done VR before. It kind of makes me sick." Um, and, <laughs> yeah, but have you actually done hundred percent of the time? Yeah, I say this won't make you sick, and they put it on, and sure enough, they're perfectly fine mm-hmm. because it tracks every little movement. Yeah, I think that's um, that's an interesting difference to call out. I know, you know, even at the point where I had tried VR and was familiar with the platform and, you know, consider myself fairly up to speed on, on technology, um, I didn't realize those, um, those subtle differences, um, especially when a brand is asking you for an experience. Like, 
Um, if they're going to walk through a haunted house, for example, like that's going to be a really different ask than just creating a, a 360 video if you want the person to feel like they're in that space and have control of the environment that they're moving around. Right. Um, so I think that's an interesting one. Talk to us a little bit about the cost difference. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about a tethered experience, also I just want to clarify, that means you know, it's also not something that's going to be accessible to people at home. Right. So when a brand is creating an experience that they think is going to be portable and mm-hmm. that people are going to take with them somewhere right. else, um, it is actually tethered to a computer. And that's usually more at events, right? right. Correct. Yeah. You know, we'll, that'll be another thing that'll happen as well as in part of the education process that we have to do with clients is they'll They'll get excited. We'll show them the tethered stuff. They'll be like, "Awesome! This is incredible!" And and then and then we want this to be on Google Cardboard. It's just and you're like, like, "That doesn't translate." You know, we need to make something different for that. So, yeah. So what um, about yeah, so, What about the cost uh, difference between those? I mean, right. we're not. We don't want to. We're not making yeah. any promises on here. <laughs> but you know, just what are what's the ballpark of creating right. something like a tethered experience versus something that's a lot more accessible on right. Google Cardboard? Well, it's interesting um, because the the truthful answer is it depends, mm-hmm. you know, on on a lot of different factors, on how much we're creating, how how big of a world we're creating. You right? Know? Um, does it have character animation? Um, you know, etc. Et you know, um, but it seemed, and, and we've had projects with a really wide variety of budgets. You know, one of the things that's sort of uh, difficult at this stage in VR is that nobody nobody's budgeted for it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and and there's no standard, um, and so it's just kind of all over the place. Um, the magic number that a lot of brands end up coming to is mm-hmm. $250,000 because it's, you know, uh, fits, fits in what they were going to spend for the activation and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of palatable. And we've had at range from 250 to 500 and, and more mm-hmm. and then some down, uh, you know, to 150 or even, even 100. How would you compare that to a uh, normal commercial spot mm-hmm. with animation or live action shooting? Right. So um, there's there's a lot of similarities and and you know and then of course a, a lot of differences and so that's probably it, it's one thing that I've seen uh, you know I've faced this a lot in just sort of the whole digital world and digital revolution. Like in the old days, a client would spend a million dollars on a commercial mm-hmm. and then they'd be like, oh, I want to do it. This is just for digital, so it's going to be you know. It's going to be $40,000. It's like, well, then, you know, what about the location and what about the actors and what mm-hmm. about hair and makeup and what about lighting and what about, you know, like we still all have of to these do other all things, of those things to make it look yeah. nice, you know. Um, so, so those things are all the same, you know. You got to have talent. You got to have, you know, uh, all, you know, art department if you want that. And you got to have, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the production design and all, all of those different things, you know, we're... Um, we're doing, uh, I just, you know, did a piece for a, for a car company um, where, you know, um, you know, you have a car and we have to rig the car and we have to, you know, so yeah. uh, all of that stuff costs money, uh, especially to get good people and talent and, mm-hmm. you know, people that know what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then whenever it's live action and you add to that that you see 360 degrees, um, they're, they're come... Uh, 
quite a few more complications. Mm -hmm. um, number one, there is no behind the camera. Yeah, the, the set is everything. The set is everything. And so that you have to kind of be strategic with that. And then you also have this new sort of... Uh, Literal and it's so it's sort of it's actually it's a it's a blessing and a curse. They can't micromanage a take because they literally can't watch it. <laughs> they can't yeah. see it at all. Right. You know, um, and with with really all the camera technologies, and we've used every technology there is um, with Go GoPros, um, even with the the new Jaunt One camera. Um, there is no live view. Mm -hmm. you, you can't see it. You right. can you can do it a, a, a tech. You can do a test grab and you know in the case of the jaunt camera there's 24 cameras you know yeah that you have to manage the media and then you have to go through a stitching process mm -hmm. to put it all together and um so uh so on that side there's there's a lot involved you know yeah kind of make absolutely it, make it good and then you also have um you know sort of new new issues where you know with live action in particular once you've once you've shot it and then you stitched it, and now you've edited it, and now you need to share it with your client to to view it. Um, they really need to view it in VR, mm -hmm. um, and so we've had to really work hard and just kind of be just emphatic about you have to look at this in VR. Yeah, because a lot of times they'll look at it on their phone or they'll look at it on their laptop in mm -hmm. a you know flat view, right? And it looks weird. Of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the 360 video technology on the phones when you're kind of moving them around in space. I know Facebook is doing this a lot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show what you can see in the actual VR headset. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also kind of, um, since we're on live action, worth mentioning that there's um, monoscopic and stereoscopic. Mm -hmm. And the, the best experience is shooting live action stereoscopic. Uh, because then you get left eye, right eye, and uh -huh. you get the sense of depth. Right. And that really adds to the sense of presence mm -hmm. and, and actually being, being there. in the space. Yeah. Right. And when when and whenever that's done well, it's it's really effective. So another thing, um, I know we've encountered this in in working together, Dale, and this is an ongoing challenge for several of our clients, I'm sure, who are considering. Um, particularly something in the VR space. I think this is a little different than live action, but um, there's a line, right? There's a line about what's on brand mm -hmm. um, in virtual reality because it's so new and you're, you're actively inviting a user to go to a new world and experience something. So where's that line of how to brand an experience but still allow the user to feel like they're escaping, right? Because you drop them in this world that's plastered with logos and your brand color and messaging, and that doesn't feel like an escape from the retail environment they're in, right? Or, you know, wherever they are. Um, what's your experience in, in creating that, that line? Right. Well, you know, VR is an opportunity to... To have an impact. It's the opportunity to elicit this involuntary guttural response of wow, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it becomes something that is so shareable, so, you know, again, just so impactful um, that, um, and it's, it is truly a new medium where the old rules don't work. It's uh -huh. not, not just that they don't apply, they, they don't work. Right. You know, in, in live action, virtual reality 360 there are no lenses 
-hmm. Like there, there are no lenses and I can't, I can't say that enough and have anybody understand, Uh you know, because I'll have the, you know, the, the client or the, the agency, you know, art director or whatever, I'll tell them that and then they'll say, okay, cool. So can we get a, 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 a close up on this one? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, (laughs) you know, you have to, the only way to do that is to literally get close, which Uh then just feels super uncomfortable and super weird. Right. You know? Especially in an environment where the user is not controlling right. that movement. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and you and you spoke earlier of, mm-hmm. of nausea. Um, mm-hmm. that, that kind of comes into play with video editing as well. Right. Like a traditional video edit, you're you're trying to keep a a person's interest just by having fast takes and right. and cutting different angles. Mm-hmm. You really can't do that with VR or right. three sixty video. Yeah, you can't you you well you can. Um, but uh, uh, sometimes bad things happen. Right. I, think there, I think there is a there's a there's a balance. You know, there was a, in some of the early stuff that we worked on, there was a super hard line that Oculus laid of like you can't move the camera and you can't cut. Mm-hmm. It was like it's okay, like, well that's little, yeah that's a little that'll be a little boring. That's yeah. definitely safe. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know our world today is. It's just way more sophisticated than that. Right. You know, um, what it then becomes in the way that I've sort of adopted it is that the viewer is now the co-director mm-hmm. because they control what they're looking at. Yeah. And they control when they look. They control where they look and when they look. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've got to involve them in the story. Right. Um, and we've found that sometimes the the simplest way is the best way. So I was directing a piece for uh, Pacific Rim and I wanted the viewer to turn their head to the right. And so the way that I did that was to get the, uh, the talent, um, uh, the voiceover talent in this case, to, to say with spatialized audio. So it came from mm-hmm. the right side, you know, in, in their head spatially to say, hey, look over here. Mm-hmm. It worked. They yeah. turned their head and they looked, you know, right. where I wanted them to look. Um, and then we'll also do that with motion where we'll, we'll lead the eye, you mm-hmm. know, and then, and then we'll cut. Right. You know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and we find that, wow, you know, they're similar techniques, but, mm-hmm. but they're, but they're different too. One of the big things we found is just that pacing has to be different. Yeah. Um, because, um, and then, and then just like every rule, they're made to be broken. So mm-hmm. I just did this piece for another property for another company that I can't mention yet. Um, and I used crazy flutter cutting techniques of stuff Mm -hmm. that I would do in the nineties, you know, that, um, and it was super effective because I wanted to make the user uncomfortable. Right. You know? And, and, uh, so it's a, it's a fun medium because, you know, it's, it's kind of like today in our traditional medium of film and, and uh, and television and you know digital online viewing, it's it's kind of hard, it, you know. It's like Michael Bay can't have a bigger explosion. Yeah. It's like <laughs> destroy all of downtown. It's like I don't care, you know. It yeah. didn't. It just didn't. Doesn't affect right. me we're, anymore. Right. We're we're immune to right. that kind of action. Just completely numb. Yeah. To it all, and so it's been one of the enjoyable parts of, of VR. Of I can I can I can affect. Mm-hmm. people again yeah there's there's very much a surprise and delight element to it um for sure so 
Let's talk a little bit about the future of VR. So uh, we're kind of still in this stage, like Dale said at the beginning, it's an exciting time. There's a lot happening. We're still learning a lot about this medium and how to use it and the capabilities of it. Um, and I think it's fair to say that while most people know what VR is, it's not completely widely adopted yet. Um, what do you think has to happen in order for this to become even bigger than it already is, right? What is What has to happen in order for this to be like, no big deal, I call you up and we're going to have a conference call in right. VR and you're not like, what? I don't have a, right. you know, right, exactly. Samsung gear. I can't. You know, I think that one of the ways it's going to happen is um, is with uh, kind of a repeat of history. So we had uh, arcades in the early days of gaming uh, mm-hmm. because these machines were super limited and super expensive and and huge um, and you know and huge. And so you <laughs> had to go to an arcade to play those games. Um, and I remember how crazy it was to even think about being able to do that at home. Mm-hmm. And the home versions were, were not as good right. remotely. Right. Um, you know, and so I think we're going to see a, a, sh- you know, a, sh- a short period of that where we'll see VR arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first way that that's happening for brands is that doing these things at events like South by Southwest, like the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, like the, uh, the U.S. Open, like, you know, yeah. these types of, you know, NASCAR, these types of events um, where people are can see something that they just can't see normally. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start to see VR arcades and VR installations mm-hmm. in, in locations that are in the public. Um, and that's going to start to expose and educate people to VR. As, and then, honestly, I think that... Uh, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start to, see, you know, it's, it's beginning now, but we're going to start to see it more adopted. You know, frankly, PlayStation's VR mm-hmm. is going to have a huge impact because yeah. just plug it into your PlayStation and get to, and get to be a part of, get to be a part of it. So, um, it just makes it more accessible. Right. So. Mike, do you have any thoughts about you know VR as a at least as a form of entertainment? Where where you think that's headed, especially coming from a gaming background? You know. Yes, actually, there's a really interesting company out of Utah named The Void, and they basically have built a warehouse developed strictly for gaming with VR. Uh, it's a lot like laser tag, mm-hmm. and essentially what they do is they map a virtual environment and. Uh, pin it one-to-one with the physical environment that the users are in, right. and they're all wearing VR headsets, and you're essentially able to play this game of laser tag or virtual laser tag uh, through the VR headsets. And they've actually recently partnered with Sony Pictures uh, in order to develop an exhibit for Madame Tussauds uh, New York City, where they actually have a Ghostbusters-themed uh, mission that you can run through. And it uses all the Ghostbuster characters. Uh, I think Slimer's in there. And basically, it's using this technology that you, you're running in this warehouse, and or I think it's a library or something with um, with all these ghosts flying around. So it sounds like a really cool experience. Yeah. Do we think we're ever going to hit a point where it's just like everybody's walking around with like VR headsets, <laughs> like zombies not <laughs> not yeah. looking at their real environment <laughs> i think that that could happen we haven't spoke about uh augmented reality yet no. but uh, the microsoft hololens um since you actually do have visibility on the world and uh-huh. and and you're 
um, the VR experience or the augmented reality experience is coming uh, in into contact with the world itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's probably going <laughs> to be happening where yeah. you're going to see somebody down the sidewalk and they're catching Pokemon exactly. with, with their face instead of with their phone. Yeah, right? I mean, I already, <laughs> walking the neighborhood, it's like, um, I live in East Dallas area and I see, my husband and I are always like, and that person's hunting Pokemon. Right. You know, it's like they would never be outside. It's just like the hipsters have been unleashed in the neighborhood. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Mike hey, Martin. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the other thing that I think is interesting, we talked about VR for entertainment purposes. What about for B2B? Um, mm-hmm. I think... I think there's a lot of opportunity to use VR. You know, Dale, you mentioned NASA's Mm -hmm. been using it for years, but especially in the medical field or um, for training purposes, have have you had absolutely? We've we've been approached to do it for training uh, projects for, uh, uh, and we we just finished a really cool project for a company called ViewGlass, which is an architectural company that sells dynamic glass. You know, and so this was a case where um, the best way for them to show potential customers was to take them to a location to see it installed. Mm-hmm. That's not very practical. Um, so virtual reality lets them virtually take them to a location to see it installed, and um, it has been so effective that that their sales team is just like, like can't keep up. We have to have this, yeah. and now we have to have it for. You know uh-huh. more, and you know, and so it's been it's been fun to watch just how, yeah, how, how well it's worked. It's such a again, you know, my first use of it was as a communication tool, and so it's a really good communication tool. Mm-hmm. So for B two B, that's that's it's huge. Perfect, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's a great use case. I we have a lot of clients who specialize in you know, B2B technology, and they may be thinking, you know, this is more of an entertainment tool. This mm-hmm. platform isn't right for my business. Um, but I think, Dale, your examples of using this to showcase creative or showcase a process or customer service, um, there's a really unique opportunity yeah. there. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. A lot of good discussion. Uh, Dale, thanks so much for being here. Very welcome. Mike. It was a pleasure to podcast with you. Anytime. Uh, We will catch you guys next time on Technically Human. Uh, As always, uh, feel free to tweet us, shoot us an email. We'd love to know your thoughts on VR or even your personal experiences. And we will see you next time. Ignite Partnership is the marketing agency for technology companies that want to understand and capitalize on complex buyer journeys. Ignite has brought life to tech since 2009. To find out more, visit ignitepartnership.com.